Hello everyone and welcome to QSC Play Out Loud episode 3 Experience is Everything. I am your host Sanjay Sukumar and we are currently recording out of the most impressive and I must say most well curated Indian Music Experience Museum or IME in short here in JP Nagar, Bangalore. Well today we're switching it up a bit where we would usually have an artist or a band come into the QSC facility and uh, have themselves record one of their pieces over there. Instead of that, we have directly come to the Indian Music Experience Facility and we're going to be recording our podcast out of here. Why, you ask? Well, um, well, if you have not been to IME, then I'm just going to say that you are missing out. There's lots to be said about the museum and how it celebrates music. But before I go on a rant, I must and most eagerly must introduce the director of the Indian Music Experience, Mansi Prasad. Mansi Prasad, hello and welcome to the show. Hi, Sanjay. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Bef- before we start, um, I want to know what exactly entails you know, the title of being director of a museum as such. What, what, is, what is it like? So, Sanjay, it's really the opportunity of a lifetime to be the director of an institution that lives and reads music. Because I believe that the IME is a music space like none other because it kind of celebrates the past, the present and the future, as it may be, of music. So being the director of an institution like this is, um, has been great because I've been involved with the museum right from the beginning. So early on, it just involved conceptualizing uh, the space because all that was there was this piece of two-acre land. And we had to s- kind of start from there and say, okay, we want to create the home of Indian music. What does that mean? You know, it's such an abstract concept as to what... Um, space for music or a music museum yeah, could have. Yeah, there, there must be so many questions like, like, where do you start from? I mean, you, of course, from what I understand, you are a Carnatic uh, singer yourself, so it must have been a lot more intimate for you to actually be involved in this project, right? Yes, so I always say that, you know, I've kind of landed in the right place because while I'm a classical musician and I've sung and performed all around the world, that's kind of integral to who I am and what I do. The other part is I also have a background in management. I hold an MBA from IIM in Bangalore. So it was sort of this coming of both the worlds together. There was music and there was management. And this place kind of gave me the opportunity to marry both those passions, really. And yes, what better way to share music or the love of music with people than set up an institution or be part of the setup of an institution. I agree. It must be quite the experience, you know, finding yourself at the right place at the right time and just, uh, you know, making sure all the blocks fall into place. Must have been quite the experience, right? Absolutely. So if I rewind back to 10 years ago, the IME was really born out of an opportunity because I must mention that the IME is an initiative of the Brigade Group in a sense because our founder, Mr. M.R. Jaishankar, is the chairperson of the Brigade Group. And on one of his travels abroad, he went to Seattle. And there's this fabulous museum in Seattle called the Experience Music Project, which is now called the Mopop or the Museum of Pop Culture. Right. And it's a space that celebrates the life and works of Jimi Hendrix, primarily, but also a lot of sort of um, rock and pop musicians from the United States. And it's become much more than a museum. It's a space that celebrates creativity and its expression. And he came back so inspired by that space saying, if, you know, with all due respect to the US, if a country with like a few hundred years of history yeah, relatively and one recent. musician can get this huge $300 million museum that's become like the talk of the town. Why doesn't India with all its musicians and culture yeah, and tra- diversity tracing, tracing back to thousands of years doesn't have one sort of home of Indian music. 
So it was really sort of that idea. And he came and he said, guys, can we set up the definitive music museum of India? And I was so happy to just jump on board and help spearhead it. So from conceptualization to realization, how long, how long did the entire project take? Uh, about 10 years, I would say. So uh, there was partly, of course, the physical part of setting up a space like this, right? So there's architecture. So we conducted a design competition, invited young architects of Bangalore to submit their designs for a space like this. And we had that sense. And then very importantly for a museum is not just the exterior, but it's really the soul of the museum is the exhibits and the story that you're trying to tell. So we roped in one of the best exhibit designers in the world. They're called Gallagher and Associates. They're based out of the US and they've designed the Grammy Museum in LA. They've designed the Woodstock Museum in upstate oh, wow. New York, uh, the B.B. King Museum, the Ray Charles Museum. So these guys know how to tell a story about music. So we sort of married that with the best of Indian musical expertise to kind of create this space, which I think is very Indian in its ethos, but international in its expression. So here's a relatively hard question. I know you a lot of hard work has gone into making and realizing this museum, but uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. What is your favorite exhibit? Huh, that's a tough one. It's like asking a mom which is her favorite kid. So <laughs> yeah, it's not a, not a great question to answer because it's difficult. Having said that, I think uh, there are a couple. One is coming back to the classical music section. I think the concept of Samai Chakra which is a Hindustani music concept where there are particular melodies prescribed for particular times of the day. So one way to sort of explain that would be just to write morning and list all the ragas and afternoon and list all the ragas. Mm -hmm. That would be a super boring way of doing it. So what we did was we took the concept of Samai Chakra and we've created this screen on the roof where it's like you're watching a day in the life of India and then you see the sunrise and the morning raga plays and then you see the sun go up higher and then it's the afternoon and then sun sets, it's the evening raga. You have ragas for the monsoon season. So in a sort of short three-minute capsule, it gives you the sense of the concept of how music and time are intimately related. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And probably the other would be the um, songs of struggle, which is really illustrating the concept that Music is not just entertainment. It can make such a strong political statement. Absolutely. And when Mahatma Gandhi took a bhajan like Raghupati Raghava Rajaram or Vaishnava Janato, it moved away from its purely devotional concept context and became a song that really united lakhs of Indians in the freedom struggle. So when I'm in that section, which also coincidentally has a little bit about protest music, how music can protest against mm -hmm. authoritarian voices. That part really moves me because in some way, you know, when you think about the civil rights movement in the US with we shall overcome, you know, you see all these African-American people, you know, marching for their rights and singing this song. And in India, similarly, you have, as I said, poets like uh, Gadar or Sambhaji Bhagat and the songs that they sing about rights of Dalit people. So it kind of gives you a sense that music is super powerful. I was listening to your TED Talk from 2016, and over there you were talking about uh, the place that classical music holds in our contemporary world today. And over there you made mention that classical music does not only have to align with it uh, being devotional, where it can also have you know uh, other alignments and other verticals to it. 
and you just mentioned that if they use a devotional song like ragupati ragav rajaram in in a context with the freedom struggle similarly i feel that it should not be given that notion where it is only purely devotional with regards to that do you think that we can still withhold our classical music in our culture by imbibing it into an education system as you know under the under the title of cultural studies absolutely so you rightly mentioned that you know classical music is not and doesn't necessarily need to be only devotional yes there's a strong spiritual element to it having said that it finds expression in all the navarasa or nine emotions so there are there's intense love poetry that you will find in classical music you will find songs of anger you will find songs of patriotism so as i said there's a whole range of different emotions that are conveyed so that's one part the other part that you spoke about in terms of how do we get more people to appreciate and how do you create awareness about this rich, rich tradition that we should all be so proud to have and i firmly believe we need to catch them young so absolutely every school in this country needs to have music education as part of you know what you learn at school and there have been some efforts in this direction in terms of the new national educational policy which says that music must be a part uh, not just as a subject on its own but you know you can use music to teach the periodic table you can use <laughs> music to illustrate concepts of mathematics because as a classical musician i use things like arithmetic progression and geometric progression right. in the calculations of swaras mm-hmm. you may not know that but uh, so music is so intimately tied with so many different subjects and in some way we can manifest this at the school level uh, i think you know we'd have a whole generation of people that really cares about the arts and music yeah because um, that that is what creates the main divide b- between a person who's actually learning classical music and a person who wants to start listening to it and wants to appreciate it that is the main divide that because it is so complex and because it is so structured that it kind of pu- pulls them or turns them away from going in that direction and that i feel is really really highly unfortunate but with people like you and with the advancements that you guys are making with you know setting up IME i feel it is a great movement towards enabling that enabling yeah. and con- conserving preserving you know and taking it forth as well right so you know a lot of the visitors that we get at least pre pandemic were school groups on field trips so just like you'd go to a park or a picnic with the whole bunch of your schoolmates you'd come to the IME and guess what you'd have a good time as well in the process <laughs> absolutely so we have a very strong engagement with schools from the city and we've also had schools come in from various parts of the world in fact we had um, the prime minister has just introduced a scheme to identify sort of the most talented kids across the country and we hosted them here for a whole day exposing them to to music and its uh, various manifestations so apart apart from the exhibits and the actual Uh, you know going through the museum uh, what other parallel activities do you all run out of this place sure so first i wanted to mention that the museum actually has three parts so there's the sound garden which is outside the museum mm-hmm. where you have all these installations like xylophones and gongs and bells and, and stones and the wet stones and the singing stones that <laughs> bring to life some of the concepts you would have seen in your physics textbooks right like frequency resonance, resonance. timbre amplification right. 
things like that come to life in the sound and garden. And the use of different materials to yes. you know process those sounds as well. Absolutely. So the second part is the exhibit gallery, which we've spoken about. The third part is the learning center, where we have music education. We teach music to young learners and adults in a variety of Indian and Western music disciplines. So this is sort of, of course, the sort of the main meat of the space. But uh, apart from that, the uh, what keeps the IME going and thriving is a lot of public programs that we do. So this ranges from, we of course do concerts. So there's different types of concerts that we do from small, intimate, Baitak style classical music to a large concert like the Zakir Hussain uh, concert the for the opening, opening of the museum. We also do a series that's quite interesting. It's called Up, Up Close, Close and, and Unplugged, Unplugged, where we invite, you know, independent bands and, you know, sort of award-winning musicians to come and sit down with us. We do a little bit of a conversation just like this about their creative process and their influences. And then they do a real nice music first unplugged concert for an audience of hardcore music aficionados who are not coming for, you know, just the party uh, feeling of a music concert, but they're coming to engage with the music. So we've done a few in that series. Uh, so that's on the public program side. We do a summer camp every year for mm -hmm. young kids mm -hmm. where we get experts in music to come and work with them. And we do workshops in sound healing so music therapy, where we work with certified sound therapists who use things like Tibetan bowls and gongs, make use of the vibrations of sound to create a meditative, calming effect on the mind. There's a whole range of different outreach activities that we do to keep people coming back and engage with us. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 right. So let's move on to how IME is an auditory experience on its own. We're talking about augmented reality. How has that been implemented into making it a more interactive experience for a person going through the museum? So it's really important that a music museum has sound. And you'll be surprised, this sounds very fundamental to you, but a lot of music museums in India and around the world, the ones that display musical instruments, don't have any music. It'll be silent when you walk in. You'll just see instruments and you'll be like, hey, what does it sound like? Right. So what we've done is, of course, throughout the museum, it's peppered with these audiovisual kiosks where, say, you're reading about the Manganyar musicians of Rajasthan. You want to now know what they sound like, right? So we have a curated set of clips on iPads with headphones that you can then listen to. And, of course... We've tried and provided a superior auditory experience. Did any of these sounds have to be recreated? Well, not necessarily recreated. There are two things, right? One is we've recorded specifically some pieces of music for the museum. For example, again, in the section on classical music, we said music originated from the Samaveda. Now, what does Samaveda chanting sound like? Right. So we got a bunch of uh, Ritvijas or Vedic pundits to recite how Samaveda would be recited um, several centuries ago and they've continued to preserve that tradition. So we've obviously recorded pieces of music like that. Second, when it comes to old recordings, we've taken them through a cleanup process. Right. But taking care that it doesn't sound sort of tinny and digital, you want a recording from the 1930s or 40s to sound like it's from that time. Right, so right. we've just tried and removed some of the external disturbances to make it a pleasant listening experience. 
apart from that i think um, the mini theaters and the the small auditoriums where films are playing we've tried and created sound coming in from different directions through 5.1 sound things like that so that it's a very immersive experience now when it comes to ar augmented reality this is something that we do want to implement and we've just done a few pilots mm-hmm. for example in the sound garden we've worked with a um, company called flip ar where if you focus your mobile phone on on the board that's in front of the installation the installation kind of comes to life and it gives you a little video on how it's supposed to be played and what's the science behind it and of course this is the future we are just in the process of implementing a virtual walk through so it'll give you a sense of moving through the physical space of the museum even if you're sitting somewhere else through the website so i think technology of course continues and will be the future and it's going to help us reach out to new audiences now coming into the situation that we are all very much present in the whole covid situation so the year 2020 has been especially hard for musicians because of the entire covid scenario that's only in terms uh, you know with regards to live performances but what we have seen is that it has rekindled this entire creative train of thought and a lot of people have reintroduced music into their lives because of that what i wanted to ask you is how exactly what exactly do you have planned for bands in probably 2021 and how you collaborate with artists what do you have in store for them in 2021 once say everything starts to reopen again so we definitely welcome collaborations and i think we view the ime as a space not just for the people who set it up or the visitors but musicians are a very important part of the ecosystem that we are trying to build here keep in mind we're of course a new organization the the museum has been fully open only for about a year and odd now so it's still early days and we are growing so we'd love to collaborate with musicians in different ways of course the the, the most fundamental ways of course performance and you know not only do we invite bands to come and perform but we have the performance spaces which are available to them from you know doing informal set at the cafe which is this really nice outdoor space to our performance theater which is again a nice intimate space for artists and their fans to connect to even open air concerts at our sound garden or up on the roof on the amphitheater so our space is of course welcoming of musicians of different kinds apart from that since education is so key to what we do we often invite artists to come in and do workshops for school students or even for 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 the general public so we've done workshops for music teachers on songwriting by you know once vasudikshit did a workshop on songwriting for us we've had workshops on instrument making caring for instruments we had a workshop on music production by solomon who's Uh, one of uh, the well known music programmers and music directors from the film industry and independent scene as well mm-hmm. so there's a whole range of educational activities that we do that we'd love to work with musicians at and we're always open to new ideas so if there's any band or musician out there who wants to who has a new idea that they'd like to work with us on we're happy to hear so this would still come under up close and unplugged correct partly yes and as i said we do concerts outside that uh, as well right i think uplos unplugged was a great initiative by ime and in fact even through the entire uh, covid pandemic at least the lockdown during april and may uh, 
you were engaging with artists through Zoom calls and you were having them digitally play and reach their sounds to to listeners via YouTube. How 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 was that? I mean, was was that something that that you had ideated? So of course we wanted to continue the up close and unplugged series online and we've done a few online as well we've had artists like guitar, guitar prasanna who's um, a legend in the world of bringing the guitar into indian music in some sense he was a forerunner of all these bands like say agam or mother jane that have used the sound of sort of classical guitar very prominently in their in their music so so yes absolutely so um, you know prasanna was someone who sort of set the tone in that sense because he's one of the pioneers of the carnatic music on the guitar so we sat him down for a conversation it was in zoom, via zoom he was in new york and we were here in bangalore so i think the advantage is of course that you get to reach out to artists that you normally wouldn't have because of geographical limitations so that's completely gone having said that as a musician myself i know it's really not the same as having a live audience and just that feeling of the connection between the artist and the audience is of course missing but i think as we go on whatever programming we do is going to be a hybrid of online and offline i don't view online is a stopgap just because we can't do physical concerts yet mm-hmm. i think it's something that will continue so every music space or every music entity needs to look at their online and offline presences Absolutely. In, fa- in fact, the entire the entire world has been doing that. Uh, QSE has uh, been queuing up uh, live sessions with different artists where they just have a white screen behind them and they are just in front of a, a live stream, and they are engaging with all of their fans just over the internet. And I think that that is something that is definitely going to continue. It's it has taught us how to be this way and uh, how to make the best out of. an unfortunate situation i think we have emerged victorious because we have learned a lot of you know how we can still play music and still be in touch with our fans even through the digital media one of the exhibits that i actually wanted to talk about after the music wall was um, the exhibit that was just devoted to ravi shankar and uh, we had a bharat ratna award we had his grammy lying over there uh, from what i understand it is just a, a temporary exhibit after which or, or a rolling exhibit as one would call it how long is that there on for So Ravi Shankar or Pandit Ravi Shankar as he is known not to be confused with Sri Sri Ravi Shankar was one of the greatest Indian musicians of all time and in some way was really responsible for India exploding in the west through its music mm-hmm. of course he was a maestro of the sitar great classical musician but what really shot him to gro- global prominence was his huge body of collaborative work starting with people like Yehudi Menuhin who's this renowned violinist and then moving on to the Beatles right so George Harrison of the Beatles was Ravi Shankar's student right. and collaborator they worked on many albums together and they produced together the concert for Bangladesh which set the tone for fundraiser concerts like Live Aid and the ones that came mm-hmm. after and again he's influenced some of the greatest bands of all time the rolling stones and bands from that time like the yardbirds and the kinks so these were all bands that were heavily influenced and the idea of raga rock kind of originated because they heard ravi shankar play at woodstock, woodstock imagine yeah. ravi shankar played for half a million people at woodstock and all he had there was no bass guitar there was no drum set it was him with a tabla player alaraka and a tanpura 
and that was it and he held half a million people in thrall it's a great story extremely inspiring story and ravi shankar won five grammy awards including one for lifetime achievement and if you ever wondered what a real grammy looks like not what you see on the screen mm-hmm. you need to come over to the ime and you can see in front of your eyes a lifetime achievement grammy award you can see a bharat ratna only six musicians in the history of india have got bharat ratnas and ravi shankar is one of them so you get to see his real bharat ratna medal you get to see a maxsey award so that's one part you get to see the instruments that he played Uh, there's Zakir Hussain's tabla as part of this exhibit. His concert attire that he wore for some very important concert, and a whole bunch of pictures and other trivia and information about him. So this exhibit was curated for his centenary, which was starting in April 2020. That's when he was he was born in 1920. So we curated a centennial exhibition on his life, and this was a co-curation with members of the Grammy Museum team as well because. The IME is an official affiliate of the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles, and as part of this, we interact with a network of music museums and institutions from around the world. So the Ravi Shankar exhibit will be on display only for a very short time. In fact, it was meant to be a traveling exhibit that was going to travel around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, given the pandemic, we are reevaluating those plans. But having said that, it's only going to be on display for. a couple of months more so this is an added incentive for people to rush over to the IME and visit it absolutely i have personally gone through it and it is a very well curated exhibit so at, at qsc we also spend a whole lot of time in r&d to make the lives of artists easier and more enjoyable because at the end of the day tech needs to support the music influence it as well would you would you agree on this so i do agree that Technology and music have, since the very beginning, shared a symbiotic relationship. Developments in music need developments in technology to support it, and similarly, the advent of a new technology can, in some ways, influence music as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this kind of has happened since time immemorial, as we've illustrated in our penultimate gallery. That's called reaching out, and the word itself says that it was technology that enabled music. to reach out from the hands of a select few so earlier you know pre 1900 it was the maharajas and the elites and the aristocrats who had access to music and with the advent of technology with recording it suddenly became something that allowed people to l- listen to music irrespective of who they were or where they were so you know initially um, the 78 rpms came about right that was the first sort of recording device of course there were wax cylinders before that but really 78 rpm records played on the gramophone that would only allow just very little music to actually be recorded on it right? that's right so 78 rpms can hold 3 minutes of music and as a classical musician myself what is 3 minutes a typical minutes? rendition of even one raga is about an hour long <laughs> and a classical music concert is nowadays also 2 hours or 3 hours but back in the day there used to be all night musicians would sing all night do and suddenly think, do you think that has had a, had a detrimental effect because now we can only see a piece of music just being 3 or 4 minutes long so when 78 rpms came about obviously a whole raga was condensed into 3 minutes and artists like gohar jahan who was the first recording artist of india or somebody like bangalore nagratnama they rose to the challenge they saw the opportunity that recording gave them and in fact it's very interesting here that the pioneers of recording in india most of them were women 
because they were more open to new ideas they had nothing to lose and men were a little superstitious about having their voices recorded so women became the superstars in the early part of recording so as time went on of course the length that could be accommodated gradually increased to today where you can have recordings of 2 or 3 minutes or you can have recordings that span hours How together but i i think it's interesting because in some way life has come full circle where earlier recordings used to be 3 minutes long because of the duration permissible today it's people's attention spans that determine the length of a song or a recording so i think uh, and you take microphones the advent of the microphone which Uh, in many ways allowed the musician to focus more on the intricacy of the rendition rather than the volume they had to sing at right so it's been all these changes in technology you know audio cassette suddenly allowing music to become mass distributed and i can record it at home myself so uh, and then the cd which brought in good quality sound to today where you know music is of course free of form so at every stage i think technology has only helped music reach father and wider and today of course with you know the internet and social media uh, at least in the world of classical music and every every genre it's really allowed music to continue to reach out to new audiences and continue to evolve absolutely uh well thank you so much mansi for uh, being a part of the show just before we do wrap up i'd i'd like to ask if you want to plug in anything from with regards to ime so i just wanted to say that anybody who has even a remote inkling of an interest in music i can assure you you'll your visit to the indian music experience museum will leave you both educated entertained and inspired pleasantly But, surprised and surprised and inspired yes, yes very much inspired very sure. much inspired so the museum um, just in terms of the factual information the museum is located in jp nagar in bangalore the museum currently after covid is right now open from friday to sunday 10 am to 6 pm and we're open on sort of uh, even if it's a public holiday or whatever friday to sunday right now we are open and hopefully uh, we will open through the week uh, starting beginning of next year so please visit our website that's indianmusicexperience.org and follow us on social media on facebook on instagram twitter we are at indian music experience and please as i said we'd be happy to uh, interact collaborate and receive support of anybody who is into music you heard that everybody if you haven't been down to ime then you must make it down well that is about it i hope you had a good experience listening in thank you sanjay and thank you to qsc for having me and featuring the ime on this podcast it's been an absolute pleasure thanks so much for tuning in to qsc play out loud the podcast wherever you're listening to us be it on spotify google podcast or apple podcast we are glad that you joined us do check out qsc india's instagram page where we engage with artists and av specialists a place where we celebrate music and much much more Also check out QSC Audio's YouTube channel where we host touch mix sessions and we have performances of upcoming and fresh artists from around the world performing live. Well that's it for this episode. This has been your host Sanjay signing out for now. See you next time.